Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Drewcast, episode 129. I'm your host, Melo15. This week, I would like to start off with a tribute to a friend of mine who passed away this week. Uh, her name was Lisa. Uh, a lot of you who may be new to the channel, um, the best way to explain this, you guys may have seen him on before because he does come back and do the Say What's Real anniversary episodes once a year. But his name is Warren, uh, one of my best friends. He, his fiance passed away this week. And, you know, Warren, the only reason I even know Warren is because of Lisa. You know, she introduced us to, she introduced us, to, you know, to each other. And, you know, early on, the podcast was in a stage where, you know, me and Justin were interviewing, you know, local artists from around the town. And he would, Justin did, and, you know, and we did some episodes where like Justin would be on camera with me, but he didn't want to be on camera anymore. So we needed a change, right? And I wanted to move towards content where you'd have like a, a co-host with you, right? You guys can debate, talk about funny stuff. And that's what we decided to do with the podcast. Well, what ended up happening was, you know, through Lisa, who was a friend of mine at work, you know, I meet Warren. And we just hit it off instantly, right? So we were like, hey, what should we name the show? We ended up naming it Say What's Real. And for about a good year and a half, every single week, Warren would show up. We put on a show. And a lot of classic moments came from that era of the podcast, right? And so without you, Lisa, without you introducing me to Warren, without your friendship, I would have never have I would have never met him. So forever i'm indebted to you based off that alone but for anybody who's met lisa you guys know she's just genuinely a good person she's genuinely one of the nicest people you will ever meet and whenever you were around her you just felt so much joy and love because that's what she radiated that's just how she operated and it was it was fun to meet someone like her because i know i can't say this for a lot of people but she was a handful of people who genuinely were good people, you know? Um, I don't know if Warren's ever heard this story before, so you might be hearing this for the first time, Warren, but I remember I needed a bony extraction in my jaw, and I couldn't afford it at the time. And Lisa, I remember waking up the next morning, and, you know, she had messaged me like, hey, check your Venmo. And I was like, oh, what? And I checked my Venmo, and, you know, the the money that she sent me I was able to get my surgery done, right? And she didn't need to do that. You know, I didn't reach out to her. I didn't approach her about it. She just like reached out with the kindness of her own heart and and took care of that. And I'll never forget that. That's like something that when looking back on it now, that's like something that like not a lot of people do stuff like that, right? So, and she didn't have to do that for me. It's just one of those things. But, you know, it's 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 it just sucks because I don't really have words for this type of situation, right? Like this is the first time in my life I've ever been through something like this, you know. Um, like I said last week, you know, they did they do say, hey, when you turn thirty, you're going to lose, you're going to start losing a lot of people, and I I wasn't prepared for it, and I'm still not prepared for it. 
you know, I don't do well with these type of things. So the fact that one of my best friends has lost his fiance, someone that he considered his soulmate, there's no, there's no right words for that. There's nothing that could, there's nothing I could say to make the situation better. I guess that's what I'm, what I'm trying to say is, is that it hurts me that my friend is going through something like this. And this isn't just an easy, hey, let's talk, right? This isn't an easy situation where you could talk it out, maybe meet up for dinner and like fix things. What hurts the most is, is that my best friend will probably, who, you know, who knows, who knows when he'll, you know, heal from this situation. But if he doesn't, he's allowed to not heal. He's allowed to be angry. He's allowed to be bitter because, you know, someone who was super close to him passed away. You know, someone who I owe a lot of this, the, I'll, you know, someone that I owe a lot of this podcast to. Without Lisa, would have never met Warren, would have never came up with the name Say What's Real, would have never built a special friendship with him outside of the podcast. So without her, I, I, who knows where, where I'd be right now? Who knows if I'd be sitting in front of this camera right now with this style of show? With what we talk about. Away from the podcast, who knows who my friends would be right now? Who knows where life would have taken me, right? But everything happens for a reason. And I'm really glad I met you, Lisa, because you are such a sweet person. You're such a kind person. And it sucks that stuff like this has to happen to people like you. It just kind of, it's a cold reminder that this world is so random but I'm really glad that you introduced me to one of my best friends and, you know, I'm going to be there for him no matter what. I promise I will. That's my friend for life. And I love you, Warren. And if you do end up watching this, I want you to know I love you. I want you to know you're loved by many of us. And I, there's not really. It's tough, man. There's not really. uh any right words to say so warren i just want you to know i love you bro so but in honor of lisa to keep her good spirit alive because that's what we that's what we do here when we support people the show the show the show started because i like entertaining people right i like making people laugh i like having a good time i like bringing up deep conversations making people think I like to be, you know, let's bring up the taboo topics. Like, let's talk about religion. Let's talk about UFOs. Let's talk about, you know, is it unattractive if women smoke cigarettes? Because, you know, you, you'll get people riled up. We, I love doing that. So in the spirit of how this show first started, that's how we're going to continue going forward, all right? I'm going to make people like Fran, Lisa, Ruben, Gary, I'm going to make all of those type of people proud because that's what they would have wanted. Lisa wouldn't have wanted for us to to stop moving on. And the problem is, is that with the situation that you're going through, Warren, we're just all expected to continue to go to work, right? We're expected to continue living our day to day like this didn't just happen. And a lot of us don't know how to handle it. And a lot of us handle it different than others. So moving forward, I'm going to keep the spirit of the show alive because that's what I've been doing, right? I went through a bunch of shit this summer. I still show up. Now I'm doing it by myself. I do the show by myself basically now. There's no disembodied voice. 
No one helps me edit. I edit it. I shoot it all that by myself. And I didn't want it to be that way, but I can, I continue to do what I love and I'm, I hope it's translating well to you guys. So like I said, in honor of my friend, Lisa, the first topic that we're going to talk about tonight is the movie on Netflix, No Hard Feelings. Now, if you guys haven't watched that movie, you should. There's some, there's, there's a lot of good, there's a lot of good moments, but the movie ultimately fell flat for me. And what I mean is like, so Jennifer Lawrence plays a 32 year old woman who, who gets talked into dating a 19 year old kid, right? He's about to go off to college. You know, he's about to go off to college. He's a kind of like a nerdy kid who stays in his room, doesn't really talk to anybody, doesn't really have girlfriends. So his parents kind of like bribe Jennifer Lawrence's character into talking to him, right? So she ends up talking to him. They have a good time. Well, he ends up, well, the movie starts off with him like macing her and a bunch of other shit. So the movie, where the movie fell flat for me is the end, right? Now they didn't have to end up together, but like, you know, when she's on top of the car and the beach and her back's on fire, she gets thrown out into the water, goes to a party to try to find him. And you think, damn, maybe she actually likes this guy, right? Another thing about this movie that I don't really know how to word this, I kind of appreciate because it kind of takes a look at like how society is today. Now, there's a there's a part in the movie where so it's like, hey, she's 32, he's 19. Like, imagine if the roles were reversed, right? Imagine if the movie was about a 32-year-old man who gets tricked into or bribed into dating a 19-year-old girl, right? Your your view of the movie would be completely different. You would look at it different, right? You would say, hey. It's kind of weird, bro. Kind of weird that a 32-year-old man is trying to date a 19-year-old. I know she's an adult, but like people would look at it differently, right? So I appreciate that. I appreciate that there's honesty in the way we as people view things, right? Because when I was a teenager, 19, 18, hell yeah, I would go take a chance with a 32-year-old woman, right? Every, a lot of boys and guys think that way. Even a lot of older guys will be like, yeah, I wish I was that age. I would have, right? So... It's a good look at how we in this society view things. And I actually really appreciated that. A lot of people aren't going to like that aspect of the movie because regardless if it's a woman or a man, they think people with that big of an age gap, especially when they're like freshly 19, 18, shouldn't be dating older. So, and Jennifer Lawrence, she's usually in like blockbuster movies. You know, she plays in Oscar winning movies. So it was kind of weird to see her in like this Lindsay Lohan type role. Because you could definitely see Lindsay Lohan playing this character. I mean, I think so. I mean, she probably could have been casted in this role and it probably would have fit better than Jennifer Lawrence. But it was kind of cool seeing Jennifer Lawrence in like a different type of role. She's like in like a, you know, romantic comedy type of situation. So, but yeah, so I give the movie, if we're going to kind of treat this as like a fantastic review, I would definitely give the movie a 7 out of 10. It's not the, It's not a perfect movie. It's not the best movie of all time. But it's definitely, I definitely appreciated it for the fact that Jennifer Lawrence took a risk doing a romantic comedy like this. And the and basically the plot, right? The plot kind of takes a look at like how society views these situations and how the audience, us watching, would view that situation. Would this movie be as popular if it was about a 32-year-old man dating a 19-year-old girl? I don't think so. I think a lot of people would probably call it creepy, right? I give the movie a 7 out of 10. 
Uh, you guys should definitely go watch it. So something else, though, something else on social media that's been floating around. I have mentioned this before. The whole, you know, would you rather go to dinner with Jay-Z or take $500,000? And I'm going to make this quick because there's only one real answer. And Jay-Z actually says it in an interview with, with Gail King. Take the money and run. All right? What you do? Dinner with Jay-Z or $500,000? <laughs> take the money, kid. Right? You take the money and you run. No, but that seriously, you got to take the money and run, bro. He even says it in the interview. When the person that we're talking about says it in the interview, take the money and run. Because that's what I would do. Right? And if you pick a dinner with Jay-Z, you're literally choosing meeting a celebrity for one night because there's, there's odds are he's not going to mess with you after that, right? He's not going to want to, you know, let's, let's grab dinner number two. He's going to want, you know... So you're going to choose meeting a celebrity over taking $500,000. That's your fault. I mean, if you're that dumb, that's your fault, right? One of the things, though, that I thought was funny now is actually kind of funny because, like, he even says, like, hey, and, you know, if you want to get to know me more, like, or you want to have a dinner with me, just listen to my albums because that's where a lot of the messaging is that I preach. And... One of the things that stuck to me when I when I heard him say that was right when Beyonce was doing the whole Lemonade album and she was kind of talking about like, you know, her husband being unfaithful and like kind of alluding to having problems in her marriage, you know, involving that. I remember he did a remix to a song with like Remy Ma and like Fat Joe and all them. And he says, lemonade is a popular drink and it still is. You know, and I was like, damn, bro, like you really tried to reverse your wife's whole album with that one line. And for the, for the longest time, I, th I thought he did. But it just goes to show you like, bro, she poured her heart and soul into that album. And you really kind of just shitted on it, bro. Like that's kind of what Jay-Z did. But yeah, you guys comment below. Would you take the dinner with Jay-Z or would you take the 500000 and please say 500000 bro. Don't say pick the dinner with Jay-Z. Please don't. I mean, if you do, not going to fully judge you, but because I'd probably pick a dinner with Drake. But what is I mean, well, we're going to go to dinner and Jay-Z's in the Hey, yo, I told Blue. I said no blue cheese, Blue. I'm allergic to blue, Blue. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. You could probably get a lot of wisdom from him, but that's not what I'm in the. Yeah, let's take the money. So another thing floating around social media that I thought was really interesting was the director, Matthew Vaughn, was talking about, you know, if he had a chance to be in the Star Wars universe, what he would do. You know, he's a really big fan of the Skywalker family and, you know, that part of Star Wars. And he had mentioned an idea that a lot of fans didn't agree with, right? A lot of fans don't agree with rebooting Star Wars. He had mentioned that that's what he would want to do if given the chance. And like... Like I said just previously, a lot of fans didn't like it. Now, who would, right? I mean, if I was them, I would at least wait 100 years. You got to wait at least 100 years before you reboot. I mean, that, that's just the truth. I mean, in 100 years, all of us will be dead. And that's when I think you should reboot it or would want to. But even then, man, I know a lot of people have been saying this online, but it's like trying to reboot The Godfather or... You know, trying to reboot like timeless classics. When has that ever done any good? 
right? And Star Wars is one of them, right? It's a generational fan base. You know, you reboot it now in the state that Star Wars is in now because it's not in a good state. There's a lot of bickering, a lot of fighting. A lot of people don't like The Last Jedi. A lot of, lot of people don't like Rise of Skywalker. They don't like the sequels. They don't like anything really that Disney Star Wars has been doing. So the fact that you're talking about rebooting now, you're going to piss a lot of people off, bro. And that's what it's been doing. It's just pissing a lot of people off. So we can't do that now. That's a big ass no-no. But if they did, like I said, wait 100 years, give us some time. I feel like the fan base is too toxic right now to even consider talking about a reboot right now. Let alone doing it, but like considering it. Because I feel like some of this stuff is like, maybe they thought of it and they said, hey, let's let's leak this or let's put this on a Reddit forum or let's talk to Matthew Vaughn and let him leak it and let's see what reception we get, right? I think a lot of studios do that. Like if they're interested in doing something, but they're scared of coming out and just saying it, they'll like let the information leak and let the fans decide, right? Well, the fans don't want to reboot. There's some people who probably would, but they don't. And I feel like if they do a reboot, I don't want Disney to do the reboot. I would like another company to do the Star Wars reboot. That's just my thoughts. You guys comment below. Would you want Star Wars to be rebooted? If you if you do, I'm actually interested to hear why. And I, and again, this doesn't have to be like a toxic discourse. Just tell me why. And I, I you know, I'm, I'm down. I mean, I've watched videos on YouTube where like one of my favorite YouTubers said he agreed with the reboot. I don't necessarily agree with the reboot, but he said he did. So I would like to hear why you guys would. So, but yeah, um, a big game, a big game has came out, Spider-Man 2. I have not played it yet. The only one I've actually played is the Spider-Man 1. I would go to my brother's house. I'd play on his PS5. Uh, haven't played Miles Morales, heard good things about that. But this one's getting good reviews. I mean, it's being bought like in mass numbers. So obviously it's like a successful game. But it made me rethink of my my greatest Spider-Man movies list. And with that, I I do have my list and it a lot of it has changed. But I'm going to drop my top three. And now my top three is just my opinion. Everybody will have a different list. Everybody will have a different take on it. My list is just my personal favorite, like what I was more entertained by, what I enjoyed more, the plot, the music, my experience watching it. And a lot of the times I've watched Spider-Man is with like family members, right? Like my nieces, nephews, brothers, my group of friends. So I obviously, you know, like I enjoyed them more, right? But with this movie, with this movie list, I just wanted to throw that out there that it's just based on my opinion. So, and you guys feel free. Drop your Spider-Man list below. What are your greatest Spider-Man movies? Do you have a list? If you do, let me know. And like I said, I'm down to have some healthy discourse, right? But starting off at number one. Now, this movie is animated, right? So it might rub people the wrong way. But Into the Spider-Verse is my favorite Spider-Man movie to date. I know a lot of people won't agree with me. But the plot's amazing. The animation's amazing. Miles Morales kills it as Spider-Man. And the problem, there isn't really a problem. I mean, the movies, uh, uh, like I said, I watched it with my niece and nephew. The song Sunflower, I mean, it went crazy dumb 
when it comes to numbers. I mean, that that song, when it's all said and done, bro, you might be able to consider Sunflower one of the best songs of all time. I mean, that's how good that song is. There was a point in time where you couldn't go to any store and there was there was just like loads of people singing it, whistling it. I mean, it's never been, in my opinion, that song's not even overplayed. That's how good it is. You could put it on right now and just keep it on repeat and I probably wouldn't get annoyed by it. That song's a banger. So that's what helped me enjoy the movie more. And like I said, animation, great. Plot, great. They It sets up Miles' story really good. So that's why it's number one on my list. Number two is Spider-Man 2, the OG with Tobey Maguire. That movie, the soundtrack was done by Nickelback. And at the time, this was when, you know, Nickelback was starting to get like memed and like kind of if you listen to Nickelback, everybody's like, oh, this guy listens to Nickelback. But nonetheless, the the plot is always so amazing. Spider-Man 2 had such a great plot. I mean, it's one of the longer ones out of the Sam Raimi trilogy. And it just builds, you know, it builds character arcs. It builds plot. It builds like Doc Ock was a good villain. You know, and you kind of understand why he did what he did. You kind of like feel for him. You're like, oh, wow, I, I kind of understand why you turned bad, right? And it kind of sets up Peter as this... And the love triangle, right, with like Harry, Osborne, you know, MJ, him. They, I feel like the trilogy kind of played on that love triangle really well. And he's just going through a lot. He can't really tell anybody he's Spider-Man. He, you know, he's he's he feels responsible for the death of his best friend's dad, even though his best friend's dad was bad. So he's, you know, he's going through a lot mentally. And that movie has always stuck with me, even when I was a kid. That's a really good movie. So that's why it's number two on my list. Number three. Now, another animated one, and that might actually rub people the wrong way, but like this movie is really, really, it's up there for me. And so number three, we got Across the Spider-Verse. Now, Across the Spider-Verse also had an amazing soundtrack. I mean, Metro Boomin did a fantastic job on this soundtrack. The animation looked amazing, even though, you know, you come to find out like you know, months later that they really overworked that team. Start paying them better. But that's why we had strikes. But the movie was amazing. Soundtrack amazing. It, it you know it furthers Miles's plot like way way better than a lot of movies and like other trilogies. You know the the multiverse aspect fits really well with what the MCU is doing now because they're also you know the MCU as a whole is also doing you know multiverse aspects with, you know, Loki, the new Avengers movie that's about to be coming out, Ant-Man, Quantumania, like that kind of stuff. That's, I love that, right? Be Across the Spider-Verse, though, a lot of people didn't like that it ended on a cliffhanger. Now, the cliffhanger, I wasn't bothered by it. They also didn't like how the, the movie had a longer runtime. I enjoyed that. It, it sets up Miles really well. You see a lot of scenes with his mom and dad, and it's not just rushing things. The pacing was off a little bit, but it's just like small nitpicky stuff. There's not a lot of like major problems with this movie. You know, I was blown away with it. So number three on my list, we got Across the Spider-Verse. Now I will I will do my full list on another episode or, you know, on another podcast. I just felt like for this one, since Spider-Man 2 came out, it's a really, really popular game. I would give you guys my top three. So you guys comment below. What are your top three Spider-Man movies? You can actually just comment your whole list if you want. We could talk about it. Like I've been saying, I'm 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 down for healthy discourse. 
Spider-Man is a major part of like our with like American culture, just culture in general, which this, you know, across the Spider-Verse kind of proves when there's Spider-Man from, you know, Spider-Man from different countries and different genders and from different universes and how Spider-Man is just a cultural icon. So, but Halloween is next Tuesday and I wanted to do a list of the of my greatest fictional horror villains, right? Like my previous list, this list is my personal opinion of who I think are the greatest fictional horror villains, right? Now, this one's kind of hard because it's like Star Wars, right? It's a generational thing. Like, we got people from like almost 100 years ago. Dracula was the biggest horror villain. And he still might be the greatest horror villain. There's people from the 50s and 60s. You know, the slasher era, right? We got people from like an era where like the creature from the Black Lagoon and the werewolf were their greatest horror villains. You got the slasher era. You got the early 2000s. You got the the era where like Insidious, Conjuring were like huge scary movies. So it all kind of depends on you personally. And Halloween's next Tuesday. This This video will drop on Monday. So we still have time to do, you know, a horror, a horror segment before this month ends. So starting off at number one, for my greatest fictional horror villains of all time, I think number one has to go to Michael Myers. When I was a kid, right, I was completely terrified of Michael Myers. Now, I grew up in a family where, like, horror movies were, like, our thing. Aunts, uncles, mom, cousins, everybody was just, like, so ingrained in the horror movies. So that was, like, a big thing in our family. And Michael Myers, the reason I like him so much is because it's not a carbon copy of like your typical slasher film, but it's not a carbon copy of other horror movies. He doesn't really have a reason for being bad. Now I know throughout the the movies he like tries to get out, go after his sister Lori, and he's just a kind of like a mindless killer. But I always really appreciated that Michael Myers was just pure evil, right? I know in the Rob Zombie movies he tried to do the whole, you know, bad childhood, bad bad mom, bad stepdad. But I really appreciated in the original movies that there was none of that. He didn't have a bad stepdad. I mean, he didn't have a bad home life. He, from all, from what we saw, home life looked good. He was just pure evil. There was nothing behind that mask. There was nothing behind those eyes. He was just somebody who was just evil incarnated. And that's scary because a lot of other villains they try to make them sympathetic, right? They try to give you reasons as to why you would feel bad. For Michael, there isn't really any. He's just someone who murders people. There is no bad home life, no bad childhood. He's just straight up an evil kid who grew up to be a serial killer, you know, the legend of Michael Myers. That's why I always like those movies. That And also, I know like later on in the movies, they try to do the whole supernatural route because, hey, we can't keep bringing him back after he clearly got killed. Didn't really like that part. And I didn't really like how in the new Halloween movies, they try to say, hey, we're not going the supernatural route. But you guys clearly went the supernatural route. So, but I have Michael Myers at number one. Number two. Now, Jeepers Creepers to me. I remember coming home from a trip when I was a kid, and this is when I lived in Everett. I remember coming home as a kid, super excited. You know, we go to watch Deeper Creepers. Now, the, it was starting to become dark outside, so the living room was getting dark. You know, I'm sitting there with my brothers. And this movie freaked me out. Not only can the Creeper fly, he can drive a car. 
It's like he's driving a car. Every 23 years for 23 days, he's out here eating people who he deems worthy. Right? He can smell you and smell if you're, if you're, you know, if you ain't got it, bro, he's, he's getting you, dude. And I remember watching that as a kid and it just freaked me out, dude. Like the sequel, I liked the sequel. The sequel wasn't bad, but it kind of sucked that later on they had a guy who was like a pedo shoot one of the sequels and i just didn't really like that i was like you know i'm not about to watch that because i'm first of all i'm not supporting that and second of all like why did you guys think it was a good idea to let that guy make that movie but you know the creeper like i said he could drive right but like just like he could fly and he was making weapons out of people's body parts and that always scared me as a kid to me I'll never forget for my first time watching that because that's kind of what imprinted that the Creeper being number two on my list. Number three, Hannibal Lecter. Now, the first Hannibal movie I saw was Silence of the Lambs. I think the next one I saw was Hannibal. The third one I saw was Red Dragon. And I believe I watched a prequel film. I did. I actually did watch a prequel film. I enjoyed all of them, right? Anthony Hopkins destroys that role. I mean, Hannibal is like playing, Hannibal Lecter is like playing these cat and mouse games with these detectives and, you know, outsmarting them. And he's basic, you know, he's a serial killer. And, you know, there's all those other serial killers in the movies, like obviously like the Buffalo Bill. And it was scary in a different way. I wouldn't want to run across Hannibal Lecter. I tell you that much. And the, the movie where, I believe it was the last one because I know Jodie Foster wasn't playing Clarice anymore. It was Julianne Moore. But the last one too was like just freaky too. Like the 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 guy in the wheelchair getting eaten by his uh, by his pigs, right? The kid who at the end, the kid who like basically eats brain. Like that's I don't know. It's just it's a different kind of scary. Next on my list, we got the strangers. Now, this is kind of what I what I was comparing to earlier. With the whole real aspect, right? This could really happen, right? There, there could be a group of people who like literally go out into the middle of nowhere, find a random couple and, and murder them. When I remember again, watching it as a kid with my group of friends, I believe I was with a group of friends or family in my living room. And I remember watching and I was freaked out that for the longest time, Strangers was my top scary movie, right? These people didn't have a reason. There was no reason. They didn't know these people just wanted to commit a random act of violence. And straight up, is Tamara home? Who's Tamara? And one, first of all, it's 2 a.m. What are you doing? What are you doing out here, you know? That, that, that's basically not the end. She's like, why did you do this to us? Why us? She's like, because you were home. Because you were home? That's what I'm talking about, dude. That's scary shit, dude. Because you were home, that could really happen to people, dude. And the sequel, I really enjoyed the sequel. I kind of wish they would have ended it in a way where we get a sequel or, you know, a prequel. I mean, I guess they could do a prequel, but the Strangers concept could literally go on forever because these group of people could just move on from house to house. And just keep doing their thing. And you can keep making the stakes higher and making the movies more scary. So I feel like it was because of the realism why I, I, I was really scared of that movie. 
and you know they kind of you know based on a true story and the whole thing as a kid just wrapped me in and for the longest time that was my top scary movie but my but last on my list and i could have a longer list i just wanted to do a few the movie pearl now pearl it kind of goes against what I said about Michael Myers. Like, you know, hey, there's no rhyme or reason to what you're doing. You're just pure evil. They, the movie kind of, if you're younger, it, you kind of sympathize. You have a lot of empathy and sympathy for Pearl, right? She She's a farm girl who's growing up during a pandemic, which is kind of like what we went through, right? Like a hundred years later. She's growing up through a pandemic. Everybody has to wear masks and everybody's afraid of germs and she's stuck on a farm and... She wants to be a dancer and someone who's famous and she wants to get off the farm. But, you know, her mom's pressuring her like, hey, you have to stay and take care of your dad. So you're kind of watching this young woman with big dreams that just start to snap at every level. Slowly and surely, she just starts snapping. First, it starts with killing farm animals. Then she moves on to killing real people. And the movie does a really good job at like taking a deep dive into the psyche of somebody who would be in that situation, right? It's almost like... I compare it to the female Joker, right? It is kind of like the female Joker, in a sense. So in the movie, Pearl's like a sexually frustrated young woman who whose husband went to war when he didn't have to go to this war. He left her on the farm by herself. He doesn't have to be gone. She's sexually, she's sexually regressed, right? And she's going through all these problems at home and her mom's just sitting there being hella rude to her and being like super like controlling. And, you know, obviously a lot of older people would probably agree with Pearl's mom, right? They'd be like, no, Pearl needs to stay and Pearl has responsibilities. But that's the beauty of this movie. You get two different types of people who view it differently. You got young people who are like, oh, I, I you know, I have empathy for Pearl. I have sympathy for Pearl. Then you have a lot of older people who are like, hey, Pearl, you got responsibilities, you're not going to help your mom and dad. They're older. And that's what I enjoyed about this horror movie. It, it it was different. And Mia Goth killed it, dude. She killed this role. And that's why I love Pearl. And that's why that movie is last on my list. So, But thank you guys for joining me for episode 129. Like I said in the beginning, Warren, if you end up watching this, I love you, bro. You're one of my best friends. I hate seeing you go through something like this. Lisa was really loved. Lisa will be missed by a lot of people. She touched a lot of people's lives. And without her, I wouldn't have my friendship with you. Without her, who knows where this podcast would have went? Who knows where our friendship would have went? Who knows who I would be friends with right now? And I just want you to know that I will always be here for you. And and Lisa knows that too. But I will always be here for you no matter what. And I'm glad that you're my friend. So, but yeah. Until next time, guys. Peace.